in the sweaty front seat of my mother's little electric car, Doug Maurice and Stephen Means, with your post-game podcast of Buckeye Talk for the Ohio State Spring Game. The one color beat another color. I don't know. Um, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what we learned. We have a couple questions from you guys. We're going to go about half an hour, and then we'll be back next week with our normal podcast. I forgot to tape the game, but I'm sure it's on the interwebs or something. So I'm going to go home and watch it, rewatch it again. I actually thought like it wasn't great. I am, as I've said many times on this podcast and elsewhere before, I'm a big proponent of this spring game. I encourage people to go. I think it's a great family afternoon for a low, low price. Didn't think it was great. Didn't think it was like super exciting. You know, I know it, in the last couple of years, it feels like it's been uh, being relaxed a little bit. Um, you know, it's about two hours. Halftime was not great. The best thing was Drew uh, Drew Crispin proposing to his girlfriend, right? Yeah, literally. Like, I think that's like, if you had to say, like, the five best highlights of today's spring game, Drew Crispin's number one. Um, he's probably number two with whatever he said to, like, the reporters after right after he did it. Um, his teammates' reaction to her saying yes is probably number three. And Garrett Wilson and Jocelyn went rounded out at four and five. Yeah, so which is fine. Again, like, like that's okay, but it just like wasn't, uh, like super duper entertaining. And, you know, it didn't have like the, uh, sometimes they have the, uh, like the people running and like, uh, Cardell Jones. I think they have, should have Cardell Jones throw at halftime of every spring game. Just have Cardell Jones try to throw a ball as far as he can at halftime every year. I'm sure he would come do it. And they could have him do it until he's like 85 years old. That was cool. That and when Braxton Miller and Zeke Elliott raced. And Zeke was here today, and, like, I don't understand. Like, he was in a leather jacket. It's, like, 70 degrees out here. And I even asked him, I was like, are you high? He's like, nah. Well, I got hot for a little bit, but not really. I'm like, all right, well, that's good for you. Yeah, they should bring back Braxton and Zeke every year and let them race. I think some of those guys, like, plan out their spring game outfits. Of course they do. They, they know they're going to be on TV, yeah. and they know people are going to want their autograph. Michael Thomas was wearing a Simpson shirt that was uh, a yellow Bart Simpson in a number nine jersey, who's Drew Brees, right? Yeah. And then a black Bart Simpson in a number 13 jersey, who is Michael Thomas, and they were, like, high-fiving each other. Yeah. And that was a cool shirt. Yeah, it was. And, like, the black Bart had, like, the hair Michael Thomas has yeah. right now. Which, yeah, it was a pretty cool shirt. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um all right, so, by the way, I remember that. I forgot that Braxton and Zeke raced because Braxton almost ran me over because yeah. I was standing behind <laughs> the end zone filming that of, like, these guys rushing at us, and, like, the uh, deceleration took longer than I expected. So bad. I was, like, 10 yards back from the end zone, and, like, Braxton almost decelerated right into me. You almost sports center, not top 10. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm like that... Uh, I'm like that Security guard at the Masters who almost yeah. uh, took out Tiger Woods' <laughs> knee. That was me and Braxton. Um, all right. Uh, Mark Roberts, our guy, who sent us some tremendous research last week that is going to form the basis of a future Buckeye Talk podcast. It's about Urban Meyer winning close games. He did the work for us. That's what we expect from all of our listeners. Do our work for us so we don't have to come up with our own ideas. That's Mark, true. with a great true. email. And a question today, Mark 44 Roberts, what did you see that surprised you? What did you see that caused a woe? Did not expect that at a spring game reaction. So we did videos. You guys can follow us on YouTube too. We did some videos after the game about like what you feel good about, what you don't feel good about. Um, I mean, we have, we have to get in this at some point. This would not be in the surprise category, 
But the woe, I mean, if someone's going to put woe in a question, then the answer has to be Garrett Wilson. So yeah. you wrote about Garrett Wilson I after did. the game. I did. And here's the preference of it. You should definitely go read it. Here's the mindset you should have while you're reading it. Garrett Wilson did something amazing today. You should get used to it because he's going to be doing amazing things for the next three years. Obviously, like, he was with the second unit today, so he did it against the first team off defense, which is it was actually over top seven banks, who was a second team corner, yeah, but who is like a good rising young yeah, corner. It, this is not some scrub. Yeah, there were a lot of plays today that were, I mean, they're highlight plays, but they were against the walk-ons and the third string guys. Garrett Wilson had one of the few plays that was against somebody where. Six months from now, they might be on the field. So yeah. that's already impressive. And he's made that – the interesting thing is he's made that catch time and time and again. You saw him in the All-American game. He was making catches like that. So, yeah, go read it. Garrett Wilson's going to be here for the next three years, so get used to him having highlights. So it's one of those – it's one of those where you snatch it. And I've been waiting for a little more snatching from the Ohio State receivers. And Justin Fields said this after the game when asked about Garrett Wilson, um, that it's his hands – and I think he runs good routes, and I think he's a polished, mature receiver for a guy who should be in high school right now. But his hands, his strong hands to go up. You guys saw the highlight. Seven Banks is in position in the corner mm-hmm. of the end zone on this Matthew Baldwin fade, and Seven Banks, like, he didn't really jump. I think he thought the ball was coming to him, but this is the whole point. You cannot wait for the ball to come to you. You go and you get the ball, and sometimes... In recent years, I've waited for Ohio State receivers to go get the ball, and they didn't get it. If you think back to the Purdue game, their loss that changed their season last year, their only loss, Dwayne Haskins had two throws in the end zone early in that game, one to Ben Victor, one to Terry McLaurin. Both he was a little bit late on, but I felt on both those throws, there was a ball in the air and a DB next to those Ohio State receivers, and they did not go snatch the ball. They didn't go get it. They waited for it to get to them, and a DB made a play. The way Garrett Wilson made a play on that ball today, that to me is a guy who's not going to wait. Michael Thomas, and, and I was talking about this with someone else this week, the, the throw, the wide receiver pass at the end of the first half against Alabama in the national championship season, Evan Spencer threw that ball on a line. Michael Thomas went up and snatched that thing out of the air. Powerful reliable hands. That's why Michael Thomas was walking around making one-handed catches all day. That, to me, Devin Smith would go up and get the ball. Now, Devin Smith, I think, was a little more, it was his leaping ability to go up and high point a ball, but he also could come down with it. To, to see Garrett Wilson go up and get it, I just think is like a next-level thing from a kid who's a true freshman. And so the thing, and this has been asked, and I can't remember it, I get, I get I get it from all sides these days, Stephen. I just get it. I deserve it. I love it. It's always it's coming at me. I can never remember when who's asking me what or where I hear things. It might be from some of my text message brothers and sisters who I just love corresponding with those guys. But someone was asking a question about Garrett Wilson as a freshman as related to J.K. Dobbins as a freshman. And for people who were reading Cleveland.com and remembering our coverage from two years ago, the preseason, preseason camp of J.K. Dobbins, he was coming, he was coming, he was coming, he was coming. I remember me and Landis, we're sitting in the McDonald's parking lot, lot, lot right now. Landis and I did a video five feet away from here, and it was like, what do you think J.K. Dobbins could do? And like every day that you wrote about him, 
every day that you talked about him, your belief in what he could be and how he could use him and how much he would do would grow. That's a true freshman from Texas, J.K. Dobbins. This is a true freshman, Garrett Wilson from Texas. It felt like to me, Stephen, all spring, and we'll see what preseason goes like, but all spring, every time you heard his name, it's your belief grew just that much more that this is not just a guy that people are throwing his name out. And then you saw that today. And to me, it was the next step in the growing belief that becomes a certainty that, yeah, this guy's a true freshman, but he is going to impact this team this season. Two things on that note. We saw Chris Olave have a catch like that against Michigan where he came back to the ball and caught it, and we were very impressed by that one as well. I think some of that is some of the guys Urban Meyer recruited. You know, we hear the phrase with quarterbacks all the time, there's an athlete playing quarterback. Braxton Miller was an athlete playing quarterback. I think Ohio State had a lot of athletes playing wide receiver. His whole thing was speed, 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 speed. Paris Campbell was extremely fast, all types of fast. One of the problems when he first got here is he couldn't catch the ball. So you had to run routes where you just had to get the ball into his hands and then let his speed take over. And those were usually his best plays. One of his best plays last year was a jet sweep. Literally, just give the ball to him and let's see what happens. And he went for 70 yards. I think what you're going to see with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are wide receivers playing wide receiver. They're not just speed guys. Yeah, they have speed, but they also have the ability. They're possession guys as well. And I think with Ryan, they will see over his next couple of recruiting classes yeah, you want speed, but you also want guys who actually are wide receivers and not just athletes playing, that you just playmakers that you just want to put the ball in their hands. So I think that more than anything is where I think Garrett Wilson is the first, just like Dwayne Haskins was the first step as far as what type of quarterback we want to see. You're going to see from Ryan Day. I think Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are two guys where, okay, these are the type of wide receivers Ohio State has to recruit if they're going to get a pocket type of quarterback. Yeah, that's been, that's a great point. It's been a big discussion point the past several years about those athletes as receivers mm-hmm. and what's different about that. That's why some people were so high on Austin Mack coming in because he was more that polished high school receiver. Austin Mack had like a, a, re, a personal receivers coach in high school. And then just like Austin Mack hasn't quite, I mean, that's fair. He hasn't come around the way maybe the expectations there. Some of the stuff we're saying about Garrett Wilson is similar to some of the stuff people were saying three years ago about, about Austin Mack. And then it didn't kind of happen. System's different as well, though. It is more opportunity to do yeah, it. It's like Garrett Wilson. He's, 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 I'm pretty sure you're the guy who asked the question about, "Hey, did, is this what, what you saw last year? Is that what Ryan Day promised you?" And he said, "Yeah." And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And he's going to get the opportunity to throw to catch the ball because they're going to throw it 40 times a game. Yeah, they were throwing the ball 40 times a game with Braxton Miller and JT Barrett with a quarterback because there was a lot of QB runs. Like we saw a QB run for the first time in like a year when <laughs> Justin Fields took off today. Now it's going to be a part of the offense, but. They're going to throw the ball downfield. So, so I think, yeah, Austin Mack may not be what people thought he was going to be, but also the opportunity is different for Garrett Wilson than it was for Austin Mack. J.W. Gilbert, J.W. underscore Gilbert. You can call him Jeff. What's the best couple of things you saw from the linebackers today? Uh, Malik Harrison on a fourth down throw from Matthew Baldwin. Almost intercepted a ball, but he got in a passing lane. Again, one of those things. It's like the thing last year where they're up at the line. They're yeah. not in the middle of the field disrupting things. Um, I thought that was good. And then, so uh, we, we can run through this a little bit because I don't know that we ran through it in a story. Maybe we will. Again, part of this today, I just, I, I didn't feel like we necessarily learned as much as I thought we were going to learn. It just went so quick. Stuff went by real quick. Mm-hmm. 
10 minute quarters, running clock in the second half. Um, no so whatever. Tackling, no so ta- like, just a hard, a little more. It's, it's hard to learn about football when you're not doing one of the main things that's a part of football. Yeah. Like. So again, and I've said this a lot with the practices. I mean, some of the stuff you can learn is who's out there, who's out there on the first team and the second team. So from that standpoint, and I, I grabbed him for one second walking off the field. He did not come into the interview room, but Baron Browning, I said, how do you feel in the middle? He was a starting middle linebacker with the ones today. Tough Borland was out. Tough Borland did not play one of the many injured guys for this spring game. And he said he felt good. And I said, you know, like, you know, just hope you get on the field. So, like, I, you can hope, you can hope for something else to happen. Baron Browning's place on this defense is at middle linebacker until something changes. And it sure as heck didn't change this spring. But I thought he looked fine. And, again, I think probably the best part of him is he's going to come up and fill some holes in the run game and maybe get after the quarterback a little bit. They just didn't do a lot of that stuff today. But they came out with three linebackers, no bullet on the field to start the game. Steven made note of this in the video. Didn't really see much of the bullet today. Jocelyn Wint was making some plays. Again, it's Jocelyn Wint's the backup bullet. He was a safety last year. He's out there. He's covering a receiver, and he intercepts the ball. What was he playing in that moment? I don't know. We'll go back and watch it again. But Pete Warner, Baron Browning, and Malik Harrison, who were your primary linebackers for chunks of last year, were the three starting linebackers today. The second-team linebackers were this fascinating group of second-year guys. Toronto Mitchell in the middle, Kayvon Pope, and Dallas Gant on the outside. Like That is just a great group of guys who came in in the same recruiting class. A lot to be excited about with those guys. Justin Hilliard hurt. Tough Borland hurt. So from that alignment standpoint, that just confirmed what we thought. And, hey, Malik Harrison made a play. Again, that confirms what we thought, which is Malik Harrison is the best linebacker on this team, which is no surprise. I don't know that I got a great read from anything the linebackers did much beyond that. But in terms of the alignment, that told me something. The rest of the defense, we'll just run through this real quick. Starters, it's the same stuff we saw all spring. Defensive ends, Jonathan Cooper, Chase Young. Defensive tackles, Davon Hamilton, Jay Sean Cornell. B.B. Landers has been hurt. That's going to be Davon Hamilton and B.B. Landers sharing that nose tackle spot. But, again, I've talked about and I've certainly told my text friends about how big I think Jay Sean Cornell, who's, a very, who's, a, who's maybe the most underrated guy on this team. He's a senior. He was a huge recruit. He's going to start on this defensive line. Watch for him. They started Sean Wade at nickel corner. They came out with three linebackers, three corners, only one deep safety. Isaiah Pryor was at deep safety. Josh Proctor played that deep safety as well today. We've talked about that all spring. They played Okuda, Wade at the slot, and um, Arnett as a three corner. So that's going to be a common look, I think, for this defense in the fall, where you only have one deep safety, you have three corners, three linebackers on the field. That confirms sort of what we saw all spring. Offensive line-wise, Josh Allaby at left tackle, Brandon Bowen at left guard, Josh Myers at center, Wyatt Davis at right guard, Nicholas Petit-Frere at right tackle. I thought Nicholas Petit-Frere had some trouble in pass protection at times. When you're blocking Chase Young, that's going to happen. <laughs> but he is a young guy. Again, I, I told, I think I told our text friends this the other day. They didn't declare any job winners this spring. I think Nicholas Petit-Frere won the right tackle job because that's who you want to win it. Joshua Albee's playing left tackle. Brandon Bowen's playing left guard. The three guys that were supposed to battle for the right tackle job all started today. 
One at left tackle, one at left guard, one at right tackle. So when Thayer Munford gets back, Josh Allaby is no longer going to be a starter. Maybe he gets in the right tackle mix. When Jonah Jackson gets here, the Rutgers transfer, he's going to fight for that left guard job. But you know what? I would not be surprised if Brandon Bowen held on to that job. I thought Brandon Bowen looked solid today. I think he's had a good camp. His main thing is, does he have any pain left in that leg, the broken leg that had some more issues after it was broken initially? This is a guy who won a starting right job, right guard job two years ago. Him being the starting left guard would not be a shock to me, although they seem to like what they've said about Jonah Jackson. But, um, again, no surprises from the offensive line. The receivers, K.J. Hill started in the slot. Jalen Gill backed him up. We talked about this before. Austin Mack is playing both outside receiver spots, Z and X. That's why they started together today. Ben Victor and Austin Mack, who a year ago played the same receiver position, they both played with the ones today, Austin Mack at Z, Ben Victor at X. Or do I have that backwards? But anyway, Austin Mack is playing both sides, learning both sides. Chris Olave didn't play today. And the one thing, and, we, and then J.K. Dobbins was, of course, the running back, and they have all kinds of tight ends they could play. The one thing is... What did you think of the idea? They had just uh, Garrett Wilson with the twos. Mm-hmm. And he that, that touchdown pass he caught, he caught from Matthew Baldwin, his mm-hmm. former high school teammate. Um, I thought it was interesting. It's just one of those things that happens of like, okay, Garrett Wilson is the dude, right? He's been talking, everyone's been talking about him all spring. But the starting receivers with the ones were senior, senior, senior. Mm-hmm. Like, just so you know, freshman guy, like, don't get out over your skis. I'll be curious. They're going to play the best guys in the fall. People have asked a lot about that as it relates to Ryan Day's philosophy and Urban Meyer's philosophy. Urban Meyer sometimes played veterans that drove some fans nuts. They're going to play the best guys. Garrett Wilson is definitely going to play. But did you take anything away from the idea of, like, hey, man, just for now, don't forget, like, you're with the twos? Yeah, I think, one, because, you know, he's a freshman, and you've got seniors, so you're going to play them and give them the opportunity first. Ryan Day has said that. But Brian Hartline said something very interesting on the final day, <clears throat> on Saturday at the, the coaching clinic. As a wide receiver, if you can't block, you can't play. Now, Garrett Wilson's too good of a receiver to just not play him, but I think, but he's also, like, a re- he's not a good blocker. Like, at times, in practices that we saw, Master Teague at times – just being Master Teague was able to overcome the fact that Garrett Wilson couldn't block his guy. So I think maybe that has something to do with it. They want to see him improve as a blocker before they even throw him out there with the ones. But obviously he's going to play. But un- that next step for him is can he become a better blocker as a wide receiver before we just say, okay, well, we're going to put you out there with the ones. I'm very curious about that. That was a thing that Urban Meyer hammered all the time. At some point it's like, I get it, but play the guy who can catch. So I'll be curious how much Ryan Day – has not said that kind of stuff this spring. Urban mm-hmm. Meyer used to say it all the time. The fact that you say, and, and Stephen was at the coaching clinic on Thursday and Friday, and I was not, so that, that you heard that from Brian Hartline, that is a remnant of the Urban Meyer era. That is certainly, Ohio State is not the only program, and Urban Meyer is not the only coach that thinks their receivers need to block, mm-hmm. especially when you have a running quarterback and you're going to try to run him wide a little bit. If you're going to try to run any jet sweeps. And um, and all that stuff. Yeah, you need wide receivers. And the RPOs. Lock. I don't know if we saw any RPOs today. i got to watch it again. All that stuff. It's like you got two receivers out there. You throw to one. The other's got a block. So that's a big part of it. Terry McLaurin was a great blocker. Um, that is coming with Garrett Wilson. But, okay, Stephen, let me ask you this question. Say they get to the fall and Garrett Wilson stinks at blocking. What would you do? I'm not going to have him block. 
I'm going to have him on the other side of wherever that play is happening when they're blocking. But you're going to have him on the field? Yes. Okay. He's, look, y'all saw what he did today. And play go him. check his highlight film if you really think he shouldn't be playing. Play him. Deputy Dog 981, what's the attendance for today? It was 61,000-something officially. So 61,102. They had, they said 76,000 seats available. Mm-hmm. They had an upper, an area of the upper deck that they had bleachers torn out. You can see that they're putting in new bleachers there. Um, was not close to that. Again, we were looking back in 2015 when they had, were coming off a national championship. They drew 99,000 at the spring game. And then Urban Meyer made a big point the following year of saying, I want to get to 100. I want to get to 100. I want to get to 100. And in 2016, they did officially have an attendance over 100,000 for the spring game. So, you know, this this wasn't that. This this wasn't that. Which is a little interesting to me. Which which is it's fine, but I didn't think it was as fun. No, uh, you think it like part of the reason 2016, 2015 was 2015. It was like 99,000 or something like yeah. that. Well, they just won a national championship, so everybody's still off that high. And in 2016, there's still a little bit of those players still left on that high, still kind of there. Now you've got a new coach. Who's replacing a legend? You would think. I don't know. I'm not calling out fans for not coming. Obviously, it's a nice day. There's plenty of things to do. But 70 degrees. It's a brand new coach who's replacing a legend. This is your first opportunity to come see. You know what things may look like in a new era. I don't know. I'm kind of surprised it didn't get close to the sellout. I mean, it's always interesting. The most interesting spring game, and when is when you have nobody back. So it's like, hey, we won the national championship and we returned the whole team. That's gonna be a terrible spring game. Yeah. Like the 2015 spring game is like, well. Joey Bosa and Michael Thomas and Darren Lee and Von Bell and Ezekiel Elliott and all those guys are back, and none of them are going to play in the spring. Like, this was a great spring game. Ryan Day offense, Justin Fields and Matthew Ball. Justin Fields had never thrown a pass in Ohio Stadium. Matthew Baldwin has never played a snap of college football. This was the game to come see. 61, I mean... You know, there are places that draw 4,000, so 61's really good. just wasn't what it was. The standard is higher here. Deshaunas... Ask Coach Gray 916, which DB gave up the touchdown to Ben Victor? It was Lloyd McFarquhar, who's a walk-on from Cleveland. Um, they definitely had some third-team defenses out there against some first-team offenses. And so it wasn't all third-team defense that the first-team offense scored against. The success a lot of the times was against the third team. But somebody was asking in the post game. somebody was asking Justin Fields, like, you know, what, after the first couple series, you kind of got rolling there. You got The offense scored four straight touchdowns. What helped you get going? And I was like, Walk-ons. Yeah. Walk-ons on defense. No offense. But, again, like... You're supposed to do that. It wasn't Jeffrey Okuda out there that was defending it. It wasn't Sean Way. So, whatever. It's fine. But let's just have a realistic view of what happened. And they got rolling against the backups a little bit. I would like to say this. People have been yelling at me on Twitter because I tweeted during the game, uh, (laughs) fumbled by a guy who's never going to play. Yeah. Somebody, like, thanked me for not acting like you with it. Which is just a fact. So a walk-on was playing in the first quarter, and he fumbled. And if you're a walk-on at running back, you're not going to play. And so I didn't say his name. I didn't say this guy fumbled. If you're watching the spring game in the first quarter and a guy fumbles, you might think that it's a guy who's going to be part of the offense. Uh Uh-oh, the offense just fumbled. And I'm just telling you, don't worry about it. The fumble was by a guy who's not going to play. So, like, I'm not taking it back. It's not a shot. It's a fact. And guess what? He knows he's not going to play. Yeah. He's okay. And, and I he, think... he had chose to walk on at Ohio State. He's behind J.K. Dobbins and Marcus Crowley and Master Teague, and maybe he'll get it in a blowout, but like, you don't have to be offended on his behalf. 
And it's that, okay. He's not going to play. And that's not like, you know, he's on the team. Congratulations. That's not anything against him. No. It's more saying that, let's just take the Je- Ben Victor, Justin Fields, 98-yard pass. Justin Fields should be able to complete that pass against the walk-on. Ben Victor should be able to beat a walk-on cornerback at the line of sip, scrimmage and go catch that ball and take it to the end zone. We're not saying that's not a, a bad thing on a walk-on. We're just saying it's like if I was blocking Chase Young, he's right. supposed to be able to dominate me. That's he. This is what he does. I don't do this. He's supposed to be able to dominate me. That's all we're saying. So, like, for instance, this question from Clee Steel Buck. My yeah. question, why would you disrespect a walk-on on Twitter when you have never played a down of football in your life? He knows he's not going to play. Like, thanks you to everyone for, like, being disrespected on his behalf. I was informing my Twitter followers who maybe don't know who's that guy who... It's just a, a, someone fumbled who is not going to have an impact on the team in the fall. If that's offensive, if a fact is offensive, well... Like, I was going to say I apologize, but I don't. Uh, Gene Nilly, after today, are you more or less optimistic that this team can make the playoffs? I would say I'm less optimistic based on how limited the passing game looks. And then Nick Kelly follows up. Let me let me throw that in uh, with this. Nick Kelly underscore Cincy in a sport where one loss can sink your season. I'm glad they don't have a team like Oklahoma early in the year. <clears throat> I mean, I think I think that's reasonable, right, that – everybody's better at the end of the year than early in the year. So it's like, who wants to play a good team early? Well, I guess a more veteran team, a more experienced team. This team does have a lot of people back. On defense, they have a lot of people back. They don't have people back at receiver. They don't have people back on the offensive line. And they don't have people back at quarterback. So this offense, I think, is going to be a work in progress. So, yes, I guess if Ohio State was playing a top-10 team in the first two or three games in the non-conference – it would make sense for fans to be a little more worried about that. Are you any less optimistic, more optimistic, or not really taking anything away from the spring game as it relates to Ohio State making the playoffs? I'm, it's April. I'm neither. I'm still kind of on the same path I was. I wasn't expecting to come out here and, and see Justin Fields wow me or anybody really wow me. Like, Gary Wilson was the only guy who wowed me, and then Justin Wynn had the one where he, one of, one of his interceptions, he actually had to go make a play to get that interception. But there wasn't a lot of wow factor, but I also didn't think anybody was going to have a wow factor. This is two guys who have, one guy who's never played college football before, and another guy who's played very limited college football and wasn't here four months ago. So, I was expecting it to look a little ugly. Now, was it, a, so, no, I'm not necessarily less optimistic or more optimistic. I think all it did for me was validate things I already thought. And that's, there's a lot of processed things that still need to be processed here. And it may look better in the fall, in the preseason than it does right now. So the, the, the one thing is, it, we don't really have a sense of this defense yet. And the big issue with this team last year was the defense. And that's what everybody was wound up about. And it's why they replaced four of the five defensive coaches. Jordan Fuller didn't play a snap this spring. He'll be back in the fall as one of their best defenders. They're still sort of working out the scheme. I think it's possible. We've talked a lot about sure things and that kind of thing this spring. I think it's possible that by the season, this defense would have a playmaker at safety in Jordan Fuller, two playma- two maybe three playmakers at corner in Okuda, Wade, and Arnett, potentially a playmaker at Bullet in Brendan White. We saw the way he came on last year. A playmaker at linebacker Malik Harrison and maybe one more. Playmaker at defensive end and Chase Young. 
Maybe one more in there, defensive end, Jonathan Cooper, Tyreek Smith. Maybe one of the defensive tackles. So get back to me with a defense that might have six or seven legitimate playmakers and a defense that takes more advantage of the skills of its players, and we'll talk about that. And then the other thing is, and my column that's up at Cleveland.com right now is all about how this competition at quarterback is so different than a year ago when it was between Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow. But but part of it is just like these guys are just in the middle of the river trying not to drown. So it, it's hard to evaluate them. The main point of what I was trying to write is just a reminder to people of, listen, again, and, and Stephen and I talked about it after the game, if you're waiting for Dwayne Haskins, you're going to be waiting a long time. Just adjust your expectations, but there's certainly a possibility that something's going to click in for, and it's going to be Justin Fields. I was going to say for whoever wins the job. That something's going to click in for Justin Fields at the moment, like everybody always says, when he feels completely comfortable, when he knows the whole playbook, when he knows exactly what he's doing, then we're going to really see what he can do. We're not going to see it today because Matthew Baldwin and Justin Fields still don't, they don't know what they're doing, so they can't show what they can do. And that's fine, but the reminder is Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow a year ago were in a very different position. So I think I expect things to look on both sides potentially very different than they did this spring just because there's stuff to work out. And now, just to kind of go into term Moses, because I'm sitting here looking at this question on the fact that Baldwin had a lot more playing time than Fields did today. This has been a theme throughout the entire practice. Fields does not take a snap with anybody who is not on first team. Baldwin, he, you know, flips back and forth between the two. So that answers the question of why Baldwin threw a lot more passes, which is why you look at the stats of what Baldwin did with the first team unit and you look at the stats of what Fields did with the first team unit. That's what really matters at the end of the day. Which is, here's my gripe. You, you, you just said it. We all know it's going to be Justin Fields as a starting quarterback. And Brian Day has come out multiple times and said that he's not ready to name a starting quarterback officially, at least publicly. But the actions speak to that of somebody who's already picked a starting quarterback. You have one court. If this is supposed to be a QB battle, well, one's flip-flopping already. And he just did so. It's not just in practice where it's closed or maybe we're just there as media to watch. He just did it in a public forum where 60,000 people just saw. Justin Fields not take a snap with anybody who was not with the first team. We saw Matthew Baldwin take one series with the first team and go directly to the second unit, and he didn't come back to the first unit until halfway through the second quarter. At this, I, I would rather him come out and just say Justin Fields is going to be the starting quarterback, and let's just go from there. I mean, he's not going to do that because he wants to push Justin Fields. He wants Baldwin to feel like he has an opportunity. Um, is it really pushing though? If you're only taking, they they know they're only taking snaps with this unit or this unit. Like that's not. You don't have to. You know, they're adults. They can figure that out. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. It, it, it it's okay. Um, but like, we'll give it to you straight. You know, that's why we're here. We're here to yeah. interpret. Actually, so speak louder than words. We shall interpret, and uh, Justin Fields is going to be the starting quarterback, which is fine. Um, nothing against Matthew Baldwin. So, I think we'll leave it at that. We're supposed to talk to um, coaches either Tuesday or Wednesday next week. There's a possibility that we... I have some stuff going on in the middle of the week. To, uh, there's a possibility maybe we wouldn't get the podcast up till Thursday. We'll, we'll keep you posted. It'll probably be Wednesday. I think we'll try to wait until after the, we talk to the coaches, whenever that is. Um, so let's plan on that. And uh, it'll probably be Wednesday. It'll probably be Wednesday. But we'll have a chance then to look back at the game a little bit more, um, talk to guys a little bit more about how things went. 
But I, you know, again, not. I think even the surprise is like, oh, if, if Garrett Wilson's a woe, well, if you would have put a list of together of potential woes, he would have been first on the list. Um, it's not really a woe if you thought knew the woe was coming. Yeah. So I mean, just not a just not a lot of surprises, um, and and not a ton of things answered, right? So I think you know if uh, you know you add in Thayer Munford and Jordan Fuller and Tough Borland some way or another with Baron Browning in the, at middle linebacker, and and but for the most part, I mean that that was your team, right? So if you want to know who your team is, that's your team, right? I mean that's. Those were the Buckeyes. There's, there's not really, other than Jordan Fuller and, and Thayer Munford getting healthy and, and Tuff Borland getting healthy, there's not a ton of guys uh, to be waiting on. So you have a sense of, of who they are, but I don't know that we have a, a, a full sense of what they can do until they settle some scheme stuff on defense and until um, these quarterbacks and the offensive line sort of work themselves out on the offensive side of the ball in the preseason. So, uh, spring football is over. Of course, we are not over. We'll still plan to do uh, a Buckeye Talk podcast every week. You guys can subscribe to the text message service. Uh, go to my Twitter, pin tweet at Doug Lemaris, L-E-S-M-E-R-I-S-E-S. I was sending some texts out during the game today. Um, some of the stuff I'm talking about on here is stuff that I've, I've sent to my text message followers already. Um, so it's just, again, it's just like sort of getting Buckeye Talk during the week without having to wait for it uh, once or twice a week. So, Thanks as always to you guys for listening. This uh, garbage can's overflowing over here. Yeah, Dallas parking lot. Yeah, people like stacking stuff on top of it. I feel bad for the people who have to come take this out. It's a game day. It's game day trash. What are you gonna do? Um, all right. So for Stephen, I'm Doug. Thanks to you guys for listening. We'll talk to you soon. And that was Buckeye Talk.